Hello, everyone. Welcome to China Morning Podcast. I'm Eudora Wang, sitting in for Nina Xiang. Our guest this week is Bebop Jigresta, co-founder and chairman of Hyperloop Transportation Technologies. Hyperloop Transportation Technologies, shortly known as Hyperloop TT, is a California-based company focused on realizing the Hyperloop technology. The Hyperloop technology may sound very much like science fiction. It consists of an airless tube, but eliminating friction and air resistance with magnetically levitating pods, people and goods can be carried by the pods to travel in the tube at speeds up to seven hundred and sixty miles per hour. Mr. Gresto was born in Italy. He co-founded Hyperloop TT in late two thousand and fourteen. Before Hyperloop TT, Mr. Gresta established a content production and distribution company, namely Bpop SPA, in nineteen ninety five. In nineteen ninety nine, he sold forty percent of the company to Italian telecom firm named Telecom Italia. Mr. Gresta spoke to Nina Xiang during the annual meeting of new champions in Tianjin, China, on September the nineteenth. Here's the interview. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Bebop. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Nina, it's a pleasure to be here. So, for those who don't know, could you tell us a little bit about、um, Hyperloop Transportation Technologies? Yeah, my company is the first and the original company that actually brought the Elon Musk vision to travel inside tube at the speed of sound into reality. Imagine a capsule full of people. You put this capsule inside the tube. You suck out the air from the tube, so there's no resistance. And now you can move people from point A to point B at almost the speed of sound using a tiny fraction of the energy. Seems like a science fiction, but we are actually building it. And how far along are you? How ready is this technology? So we finished all the testing and all the prototyping, and now we are starting the construction. There's a big prototyping construction in Toulouse, that is France. It will be divided in two parts. One is 320 meter, and the other one is 1.4 kilometers. This is. The certification track that we will use also to actually certify all the technology, but in reality we already started the development of the first commercial line in Abu Dhabi, and most recently we signed a deal with the Chinese government, the in Tongren, the Guangzhou province, to actually build the first commercial line in China. That's really exciting, and I'm going to ask you more about those. But for now, let's focus on the technology. There is certainly a lot of potential, but there are also a lot of criticisms or questions about how the technology、um, will be realistic in terms of cost and also potential risks. One of those criticisms comes from consideration for、um, safety. Could you talk to us a little bit about safety? Uh, concerns and how do you plan to handle these issues? So all the critics that I read, honestly, are based on. You know, initial designs of the iPod. Nobody has really looked into what we are doing. First,、uh, the most important thing that you have to understand about the iPod is that it's built on technology that already exists. The first thing that we did is to put together the partners and the、uh, developer that already built.、Uh, All the pieces of the technology we need to put together. The first、uh, biggest challenge was the tube. 
We use Ergest, one of the top uh, tube manufacturers in the world, that produced the first tube in carbon steel. But then we use also new polymers, new material that are augmenting the resistance and can be actually extruded in place. The tube uh, is capable of being four meter diameters, so an allowed a ratio between the capsule and the tube that is enough not to have any problem of cantrovitz of any impediment. But the most important thing about uh, the tube is that when we depressurize it and bring it to one pascal, we actually create a situation where the capsule is completely without fatigue. So we don't have all the stress that an airplane as or the air industry has to deal with that is constant pressurizing and depressurizing. So it's like having a big airplane without the wings and the braking points of an airplane. The second... Sorry, but, but the tube is near vacuum, right? Yes. The near vacuum is obtained by using a, a pumping system every 10 kilometers. We have 10 containers, each container contains 8 pumps. We bring down the pressure from one bar of the outside temperature, uh, pressure to one pascal, that is basically the pressure that you have almost in space. But as soon as you have this pressure maintained, you need only 10% of the energy to maintain the vacuum. So it's very efficient, you don't need complicated uh, instrument to maintain it there and we use existing pumps uh, to actually obtain this vacuum. But, but how do you, what happens if there is an earthquake or a natural disaster or a little bit friction in the tube structure? So in reality, uh, you know, uh, let's divide the problems because <laughs> there's uh, different problems with different solutions. The first thing is how to build a system that can resist the 9.2 of the Richter scale. Well, that's not complicated because we have technologies that actually can build pylons on 30,000 psi of resistance. It means 200,000 kilopascal per square feet. This has been built already in Abu Dhabi, for example, with Bulj Al Arab, but we use an ultra high performance concrete that can actually create the perfect situation to actually withstand this kind of earthquake. And then we use seismic isolator to actually create the compensation method to actually allow the tube to uh, um, uh, expand. And then we use thermal expansion joints. They are very old technology. It's used on the pipe manufacturing since the 50s. So this problem has been solved way a long uh, time ago and we are actually implemented it uh, in the most uh, innovative way. The other aspect is how to maintain the safety inside the tube. And when you have a uh, body exposed to vacuum you can have some danger uh, in most uh, after a minute uh, you can have very little consequences in reality when we have if we have some problem we can seal the section of the tube that has the problem and open the valves immediately the air co goes back inside the tube and we reach what is called the Armstrong limit so the body doesn't have any problem on leave and breathe and they can actually walk and evacuate from the emergency exit that is every pylon so it's the safest thing built on the ground, but it also guarantees an extreme efficiency. Safety is also considering uh, the way we build the Hyperloop. 
Hyperloop is safe by definition. You can't have a cow stuck in the middle, you can't divert the capsule inside the building, and you are protected from the external agents like you know the weather or the sand or everything that is actually uh, a variable for the transportation. But the most important aspect, we eliminated the biggest killer in transportation that is called human. Human error it causes 70% of the accident in the transportation industry. We use an artificial intelligence to actually maintain not only the coherence between the capsule but also all the safety and the, um, and the control of the capsule and we supervise it by human. So it's the safest thing ever designed on the ground. Another question uh, is regarding its costs and also about how you have to build brand new infrastructure in order to have this new technology be implemented. Uh, what do you say to those uh, questions? Two of the main costs on transportation are related to right away and on the electrification of the track. Both of thing we take care by using a very innovative approach. In the right-of-way we try to use existing right-of-ways. We can build on top of rails or on top of highways and in the case that we build outside this we use pylons or underground. This diminishes drastically the impact on the ground because we don't bifurcate the land and because the hyperloop is completely sustainable and is silent it doesn't diminish the value of the land so the landowners are really incentivized to actually have an hyperloop on their land because we can revenue share the excess of energy we are also implementing system that can desalinize water bring high definition bandwidth and 5g so the, the this mixed business model can be revenue sharing with the uh, landowner and everywhere we announce an hyperloop the value of the land increased so uh, in the opposite of the traditional transportation system we are creating value in instead of destroying it so the other very important aspect is the cost per kilometer. If you analyze what is very expensive in the case of the rail or in case of the high-speed rail, is the electrification. Electrification means that you, you have to build miles and miles of rails and you have to electrify it with electricity and to actually ingenerate the, uh, uh, the, the backbone of the infrastructure. And in the case of the high-speed rail, you also have to bring it to superconductivity and the levitation system is made using active levitation. It means that you consume a tremendous amount of energy and the result that no one in, on the ground makes money. All these infrastructure are based on subsidies. And in the case of China, for example, you can see there is eroding points of GDPs and it's getting worse and it will never recoup the investment. In the case of the Hyperloop, you have a tube with a very minimal uh, consumption for the vacuum that has a very brilliant way to actually levitate and propel the capsule. On the tube, there's only a laminate of aluminum. And on the capsule, there are giant neodymium magnets that basically are configured 
to react with a passive levitation system. What it means, it doesn't need electricity. With the principle that was discovered in 1995 by the Lawrence Livermore lab, you can actually levitate the capsule using a, a principle that is called a recurrent. So by moving this specially configured magnet, you're capable of generating uh, levitation without using electricity. And you just need a linear motor to push the capsule and you can actually levitate in a very cheap and more efficient way. The result is a system that can recoup the investment in 8 to 15 years. And it's unprecedented because now the government can actually work with the private company like Hyperloop Transportation Technologies to build private-public partnership where the government put 20%, the private company put 80%, the private company recouped the investment, the government recouped the investment, and then this consortium pays a fee to the governments to actually run the infrastructure. And this is like a sort of um, subsidy in reverse. And this is unprecedented. Have you taken the Shanghai Maglev train? Yeah, of course. And what do you think of it? Uh, I think that uh, the overall experience uh, is uh, mediocre is not concentrated and concentrated on human-centric. If, uh, you know, they classify in first class and second class, for example, but as a passenger, I need different things when I go to work and when I, when I came back to work. If I'm traveling with my wife, I need something, something different if I'm traveling with my boss or, my, uh, or when I'm a tourist, I need something different than when I have my children. So it's not concentrated on my need, it's divided in economic class. The Hyperloop will have a completely different approach. Instead of moving as many people as we can from point A to point B to point C to point D very inefficiently, we will have a small capsule that can actually depart every 30 seconds and can the first capsule can go to point B, the second one to point C, the third one to point D and will be completely optimized to be um, also giving you the services that you need by tailor-made spaces that uses new technologies to guarantee content and services around your needs. This is a brand new concept of transportation and I call it the new generation of content and I, I, I hope we will recoup the, the beauty of traveling. So the reason I asked about the maglev is, of course, Hyperloop also use uh, maglev technologies uh, in how you propel the, the parts. So did you, you know, by taking that train or experiencing how smooth they move, and did, did that experience give you any inspirations or, or, or lessons or, or um, other, you know, takeaways? So the concept of the high-speed rail can actually show you um, how relative is the speed you know we are not uh, feeling the speed inside the train like this because we are accelerating slow enough uh, in order not to feel it the hyper will work in the same way the only difference is that we will be accelerating more up to the speed of sound without making you feel the journey the speed of sound is not a measure of speed it's a measure of acceleration and the trick is to accelerate 
less than 1G in horizontal and less than 0.5G lateral. So you can constantly have a passenger uh, experience uh, that is very comfortable. And at that speed, you will not be able to feel anything. Now, tell us a little bit about the Chinese project that you have been able to strike with Guizhou province. How did that happen? So we looked at China very deeply for the last five years. And uh, we were uh, looking to actually find the right partners and the right government with the right uh, vision. Uh, we were in talk with different states, but uh, Guangzhou has a... Karate- provinces. Provinces, yes. But um, the Guangzhou has an incredible opportunity. It's the fastest growing uh, China province. And even if it's one of the poorest, it's actually the most aggressive into developing uh, and leapfrogging into their uh, infrastructure. Also, the mountains and the harsh environment that we find there it's a very interesting challenge for us because it can actually allow us to experiment and to develop several new technologies about boring about uh, tunneling and uh, about uh, viaduct and uh, we are already partnered with uh, Winsun that is a 3d printing technology um, that is a Chinese company that is market leader in this technology so combining ultra performance concrete with our uh, special patents and meshes that we developed, uh, it will be a very interesting opportunity to actually develop technology for this kind of terrains. And then we can export it worldwide in a similar uh, occasion. So for us, it's not only the uh, most interesting uh, province in terms of tourism, is the number one touristic uh, uh, destination for Chinese, but it's also a very meaningful place to build the first Hyperloop. How many provinces or cities did you talk to until you settled down in Guizhou? We are talking about uh, five provinces right now, but uh, Guizhou is the first one that we signed. So, so you might actually sign more in the future? There are discussions in course to actually look at other projects. What's your overall impression of how government officials in China when they attract foreign technology like uh, the company that you you help uh, lead uh, what's their style and and uh, was it easy to work uh, with for you so we have seen an evolution of the relationship with the government at the beginning there was skepticism there was a lot of hype and now we are getting into a new phase that it's actually more the concrete understanding of the opportunity of the Hyperloop. In countries like China, the opportunity of Hyperloop is enormous because the density of population and the need for a faster, sustainable and more efficient way to move people and cargo leads the the, the, the governing bodies to actually embrace these new technologies and they became more courageous in experimenting and implementing solutions. We know that uh, highways, roads and high-speed rail are not a solution for China. They don't scale, they're too expensive, they're very inefficient and they created giant problems in terms of you know the the quality of life of the Chinese Beijing now is in a verge of collapse in terms of pollution and in terms of you know that and uh, car accidents so they need a solution and now they're looking in the right place 
They are looking on solutions that are actually sustainable and actually profitable. What kind of support are you able to get from the Guizhou government, for example? We are discussing a possible co-investment opportunity involving also local partners and uh, the idea is to actually form a consortium that involves not only the government but uh, various uh, players and industrial partners and we will be able to announce the amazing lineup of companies that we have been able to actually uh, put together for this project. So we're very excited. Is this the consortium investor consortium model of uh, investing into this kind of project the way forward do you think you know if you have other future projects or be probably f um, structured in similar ways absolutely the way hyperloop transportation technologies is structured is that we in the future and in our vision we will not build anything we will not maintain anything and we will not operate anything we are a licensing company with an enormous knowledge and uh, ip and technologies and we will put uh, you know, these skills uh, at the, the disposal of local partners that will build, manage and operate the structure locally. A lot of concerns for foreign companies, especially technology companies, when they come to China is about intellectual property protection. How concerned are you and what kind of actions are you taking to make sure that your technologies don't get infringed? Listen, we will be uh, sure that the core technology will be produced outside China for now. Uh, then when the partnership consolidates, um, one of the first topic of the first workshop that we are doing with in, uh, in Guangzhou is actually about this topic. So uh, the, what we are doing with the Guizhou government is actually asking them in the first workshop actually to answer to this question how you can help us trust you and also create the right ecosystem to actually um, guarantee that we are you know the IPs are respected and we are actually working on an environment where everybody puts their assets and their knowledge and we can create an amazing uh, case study together I am sure that China evolved, evolved, is evolving in mentality, is evolving in this new entrepreneurship uh, spirit. China is advanced in a lot of technologies and fields, and they need. And, and uh, I am sure that now is really a new. Uh, conscious that is growing inside the China's ecosystem that they need to start to look uh, very seriously about implementing copyright and also implementing solutions that can guarantee not only the copyright of foreigners in the Chinese uh, market but also vice versa the Chinese technologies be respected so I think I'm sure we are facing a new moment uh, of entrepreneurship in China that will pass of course, on the respect uh, on the uh, IPs and the intellectual properties uh, of, the, of, of the partners. What are some potential ways you think Chinese government or your Chinese partners can assure you that, you know, make you more comfortable about licensing your technology? 
Well, first, uh, co-investing in the company is a good way because you know the success of the project will be um, linked uh, on both sides, and uh, we can put in, in the, uh, some sort of um, guarantees and uh, with some heavy uh, prices in case of breach, and this is easily penalties. Penalties, but I think you know the most important guarantee is about forming a climate in the relationship of trust, and this is, you know, I think um, the, one of the most important thing. When the partners are all contributing and adding value to the partnership, I think we can grow an amazing story together. Now, lastly. Give us a, a little bit forward-looking projections, if you can, regarding the Guizhou project in terms of timing, timetables, and also um, uh, potential other projects, not only in China, but globally. So in Guizhou, Guizhou yes. uh, we are foreseeing uh, a six months of feasibility study and then uh, 38 months to implement the first line. So we're talking about an overview of maximum five years to have the first passenger in China. Then we, were, we are planning to roll out uh, 2,000 kilometers a year. Are you aware of any Chinese startups that's trying to develop this similar technologies as uh, Hyperloop te uh, technolo uh, transportation technologies? Well, I read a couple of articles. In reality, when we, we deepened the knowledge, we realized that there was nothing concrete. But I strongly support uh, competition and other companies. We were alone in the market for two years before we started to see some other companies uh, implementing it. We will be very happy if other companies want to join this amazing journey. Of course, we own the brand Hyperloop, so we will license uh, the brand to the other companies that want to actually uh, embark in this journey, but we are sustaining and hoping that in the future there will be 10 hyperloops. We have a giant market to develop together and I hope that this will happen uh, at the planetary level. Great, thank you so much uh, for your time and uh, all the best wishes. Thank you very much.